Today's podcast is about the real costs of employing people. If you like the podcast and have been listening to a few now, you may want to think about joining the DCBN to have full access to the larger training library. What we cover briefly in the podcast is covered fully in the videos and you are welcome to join them live as well to ask any specific questions. There are supporting documents, including terms and conditions and contracts, and you get to save money with the supplier discounts. But most importantly, you can get involved with the community and chat directly to Diane and I. And I don't know about you, Diane, but a few people have said, oh, you're real, because they've been <laughs> listening to us. We, yes. we These podcasts are getting a lot of downloads now. And people chat to me and like, oh, I feel like I know you. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, we hit over a thousand downloads in August, didn't we? So yeah, yeah we're hitting it. At, considering we do it, and anyone that listens to this knows that we have fun while we're doing it, don't we? We yeah, there are topics, and we know what we're doing. But really, we just kind of giggle around it a bit, don't we? Yeah, we don't always know where the conversation's going to go. Put it that way. <laughs> Could be anywhere. But today is about the real cost of employing people. So tell me more. Yeah, so we've got a masterclass next week with um, Employment Law Specialist Peninsula. They've done lots and, uh, of training webinars for us, which are all in our training library, all on different topics. They are so brilliant at supporting us and our membership. Um, but they're doing a, a masterclass because there's been a change to the way we calculate holiday pay for employees that are on variable hours or zero hours contracts. So um, we're doing a masterclass. It's all based on a, a legal case that went through and it could cost employers hundreds and hundreds of pounds in back pay so it's really serious so we're doing a masterclass on it so we can make sure our members have got the most up-to-date information but it kind of got me thinking with the you know cost of living crisis series we kind of want to help you save money but also sometimes it's about acknowledging what the costs are so I thought we could have a chat about the real employment costs or the real costs of employing people because certainly when I started my business and thought I'm going to employ people I didn't actually necessarily realize some of the additional costs above what was expected I suppose so yes I wanted to talk about that so what what are your experiences Louise when you first started employing were you shocked at how much on top of the actual wage it costs um no I wasn't shocked because um I kind of knew what I was letting myself in for but we had this conversation so on the awards recently I was sat talking to the judges panel and one of the things they said about becoming a good employer particularly those I'm going to just cover self-employed for a second so when you look at minimum wage and we're going to talk about over 25s here the the minimum wage is different to the real living wage isn't it and I think at the moment we're saying the national minimum wage or the they've changed the words, though, haven't they? It's no longer national living, national minimum wage. It's now moved to the real living wage, yeah. which outside London is £9.50 and inside London is £11.50. If I'm wrong, it's not far off that. Um, but what you should expect compared to self-employed people, they should be getting 20 percent more than that. So the reality of employed costs is that you're probably looking at a good 20% more than whatever you pay to be coming out in costs and benefits to them. Yeah. So if you're doing £9.50, why do I keep doing math and not having a calculator? <laughs> we just we just like to hear you or watch you um, stumble around the numbers, Louise. Yeah, so a £9.50 person with 20% is £11.40. Yeah. Now, if you're paying them more than that, and you probably will have to to compete in this market, a £10 person is going to be costing you about £12. And 
they are hidden costs. It's not just holiday pay and sick. Yeah. But we yeah, are going to cover everything, aren't we? Yeah. So there's, there's holiday pay. Yeah, that's. I think that's the one that most people don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, it's holiday pay. Um, sometimes they don't realise, you know, whether whether bank holidays are included and things like that. And I know we've recently, um, obviously had an extra bank holiday. We've had two this year, and sometimes our in, people's employment contracts are not necessarily um, covering that off properly. But holiday pay is usually the one that people are okay with. But obviously, if your if our team are earning over a certain amount, then there could be employers' national insurance costs. If they're off sick, then it, there could be statutory sick pay costs, maternity pay, pension contributions. Those are all the obvious ones that are there that are covered well by the 20%. They are. I want to just talk to you about SSP because you will have found this. People are terrified that they'll employ someone and the next day they'll go off on long term sick. And that is what prevents a lot of people from employing is they're scared of what might happen. Yeah. Yeah. That their thoughts are, well, I'm going to have to pay. I think is it ninety five pound a week? No, neither is no our numbers today. So uh, we're going to have to pay that sick pay for six months. Mm, oh my goodness what am I going to do I would you know I wouldn't and most small businesses especially you know when you're starting out but you know if you've only got a couple of members of staff or even if you're a bigger business to be honest that is really you know expensive would you pay them on day two go off sick for six months well they're not necessarily entitled to it for starters so it's bearing that in mind you know they have to be earning over a certain amount if they've literally just started they're not going to have earned enough to be entitled to it anyway so it needs to be budgeted for. It need you need to kind of have a bit of a slush fund, if you like, so that if you do have to pay out. But you also need to make sure your employment contracts are tight as well. So I know we, I'm pretty sure we both have in our employment contracts about being long term sick and what point that kicks in, um, and whether you you know you're able to lay somebody off on capability grounds. You know there are ways of mitigating the risk. Put it that way. Yeah. And this is why we cover this an awful lot. But we also then for tricky questions or for contracts, we get support from Peninsula, don't we, from Stuart? Yeah. And, and the great thing is Stuart is um, he's 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 absolutely brilliant. He's so approachable for our members. So, you know, our members have access to his mobile number, whether they are Peninsula clients or not, they can ring up. But he's and also in. Yeah, they do. He's also in our um, members only Facebook group, isn't he? And, and, you know, if an employment law question comes up, him or his associate Bryn will often answer employment law questions in there for us. So as well as the masterclasses and webinars, they're on hand, aren't they, to ask for free advice, really? <laughs> so so what I would say is people don't do it and they are wrongly employing people sometimes. But the reason they don't do it is because they are scared of the unexpected costs. And and I I don't know about you, but I don't find that any of the costs are unexpected. No, I think some. I don't think they're unexpected, but sometimes they're not always accounted for. And I think that's perhaps not just employment costs. I think maybe it's a lot of the costs of doing business. People don't necessarily think of them as a cost. So yes, you've got the basics of employing, and like I said, that that. I think you're right. That 20% point is a good point in terms of if you want to assess how much an employee is going to cost you, stick 20% on and you won't be far wrong. But there are other things in there. You know, have you thought about travel time? You know, it's a 
big thing is travel time. We've talked about it on a previous podcast. We're not explaining that again, we're are not we? Gonna, we're not going to explain it again. But it's you do have to account for travel time in some way, whether it's by paying them a higher hourly rate or calculating it. But then there's mileages. Do you pay them to use their own vehicle or do you provide vehicles? But there's, there's always going to be a cost in there as well. Some companies don't pay a mileage allowance at all, and you don't have to by law, do you? But Will people work for you if they're not going to have their petrol costs covered, especially right now? So uh, this is slightly off topic, as always. Cars are a really interesting one because a lot of us view success as a cleaning business owner by having a fleet of cars. And there's no doubt that a fleet of cars in your local town, the marketing is amazing for that. But the cost of those cars, I've seen people whose businesses have gone under because of their fleet of cars. and Sometimes it's a kudos thing. It's not the practicality. If your cleaning business isn't turning over enough, if you haven't costed this properly, it is enough to to cripple your cleaning business. And that's quite upsetting. So if you've costed it properly, that's fine. But for most domestic cleaners, it's, it's hard to have a fleet of cars. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be very aware. We've got to be very aware of all of the costs in your business. But something like a company car, usually you're going to be leasing them. That's a big long term commitment for your business. So, yeah. But some of the other hidden costs are not necessarily as tangible as, you know, SSP or travel time or mileages. You know, how much does it cost for you to train a new team member? You know, this is hard, isn't it? Because. It's really hard, particularly when you're out and about cleaning, because I see people that go, I've had someone with me all day and my two or my four hour clean still took me four hours. And there was two of us. So that's eight hours. And I've got to pay them. And the number of people that take on, I think if you're doing employed, employed people, one of the benefits is you can train them because trying to find experienced cleaners is near on impossible. It's really hard. So you can train them, but there is massive cost. So it's not just the cost of having double the people. It's then the costs associated with that as well. That actually, even as they're getting up to speed, it's your time. And, you know, it is your time, really, isn't it? And it then is. how do you hand work to them? And if they mess it up and you lose that customer because they're not trained because you didn't spend the money to train them properly and or you lose them because you didn't support them properly in the first week or two it's oh it's painful I, there's nothing i hate more than knowing that we failed someone and the cost of employing someone for 10 days i'd probably lost money on employing them and it's our fault they're gone yeah. No, and I think, you know, having a really good training system in place is so important. And I know certainly if I think back to my early days, I did. They just worked alongside me. I tried really hard to tell them everything, but I would often forget things. And, you know, because it was just it was just me kind of trying to share my knowledge. Um, and that, that's that can work, but it can only work so far. Um, and there's a cost to that, which, as you said, is, is your time. And, and even now, when we have a new team member, we give all clients time, extra time free of charge. Yeah. I so that. that's a, a physical cost that you can actually see. But then we perhaps if we've got one of the senior members of the team training them, they get a training supplement. So all these things just add up and add up and add up. And this isn't always just when they first start either. What about three months down the line when you need to go and spend some time retraining them because maybe something's being missed? It's all time, isn't it, which costs money? 
yeah, if they miss a bit, you've got to go back, fix the clean, train them, go through the awkwardness of it. It's oh, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If I could have all experienced team members the whole time, my life would be easy. But that's not always the reality. We are almost recruitment companies. Yeah. And the reality as well is if they're experienced, how good is their experience in terms of does it fit with your business? So you might have to untrain people as well as retrain them. So, you know, it's great. I mean, we always love it when we get somebody that's worked in hotels um, because they're going to have that attention to detail and the speed. Yeah. However, sometimes... The practices in hotels is not how we would accept things being done in our business. So, you know, we actually wash the sink before we polish it, for instance. Spray and wipe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all it needs. Yeah. Quick one spray and a wipe round with a dry cloth and it'd be perfect. Yeah. And it might look nice, but, you know, it's not quite what we're after. So, yeah, sometimes it's an element of untrading if they're experienced. But if for me, if they've done if they've done domestic cleaning, gone to people's houses, they've got over the worst bit, which is the traveling around, the using alarm code dealing with pets greeting the customer they're usually better at that bit but we still sometimes have to train them how to clean they're the worst but that's my favorite bit i'd happily drive around deal with pets all day but anyway um, yeah we would but sometimes team members they find it a bit daunting when they first start don't they and business owners find this really demoralizing it's the actual employing you go through the training you go through a month of working with this person and then they don't work out and you're back to square one and it's not that you've lost money a lot of the time, um, but it's just the opportunity cost. Why did I go through that much stress and that much extra pressure? And I've just introduced them to all my customers. And I, you can see why people find this so hard, can't you? Yeah, but we we said this so many times, you know, recruitment and getting somebody that sticks, it's a numbers game. I don't think it's just a numbers game. I think yeah, you can change the is. numbers. Well, you can change your processes to make it better. But you've got to accept and, and take the emotion away and just accept that it might not work. Hopefully it works quicker than a month or, you know, you know, quicker than a month whether they're going to work out or not. And this is the other thing that I've learned along the way is you've probably got exactly the same. So I've been doing interviews all of this week and um, there are people that would potentially be good at the job. But I was interviewing one particular girl. She was absolutely lovely, but I showed her how to clean a bathroom and we colour code cloths. And she was supposed to use red cloths and she cleaned the whole bathroom with red cloths and a red spray. And I'm not going to worry about telling you guys what's in them all. And I said, right, brilliant. Well done. We checked over. It was lovely. Checked everything. And then I said, right, next bathroom, second bathroom in the same house. And I went in two minutes later and she was there polishing away or cleaning away with her blue cloth. And I was like, why are you using a blue cloth? That is not for the bathroom. Now, it's not a major problem because all our cloths are clean and they go straight in the dirty bag. So from a cross-contamination point of view, it doesn't bother me. But what I'm looking for, and this was on a trial day, is actually, is this person taking on board what I'm saying? Now, with this particular person, there are a few examples like that where I trained her to do something. It was fairly simple. She got it wrong. And if I had, which I don't at the moment, I'm doing all the training and I'm training a training manager. If I had a training manager in place, I would have the time and the patience and the setup to train her properly. And it would probably take me eight to 10 days. I don't have that. I need them up to speed in three to four and she just will not hit it. And so understanding what you can do and what you can't do, unfortunately, she will not get offered the job at this stage. In four weeks time, if she interviewed me, she probably would get the job. But it's kind of understanding where you're at and what you can actually give to the business as well, because 
I can't lump those costs right now. I can't lump the costs. I know that if I don't stay with her for eight to 10 days, she will leave and I can't take that risk. Yeah, it's difficult. And and you do see um, people taking people on and then, you know, well, I've sent them out to my customer and they worked with me yesterday and now they've gone out on their own. And it's like, have you put in the time? Can you put in the time? It's a really important question to ask yourself before you take anybody on, really. Yeah. Can you do it? And in this case, in this situation right now, I can't give the time. Yeah. As I say, somebody that's sort of maybe starting out, maybe, you know, maybe it's their first employee or their first couple of employees they're going to probably still be out cleaning. So you've got, they've got to bear that in mind. I made this mistake in my business. I would send people out more or less straight away without me. Um, and I learned really quickly that that doesn't work. Um, you know, you ha- They have to be working with somebody. Even if they've got experience, you can't expect them to just go out into people's homes and not make big mistakes. And that's where you get an agency. If somebody wants... I'm not saying they're inexperienced cleaners because they're not. They are experienced cleaners. But if they want to sort of work with them and learn from scratch, then that's where you go to an agency. And that's quite different to the employed model, isn't it? Yeah, well, with an agency, the client has an element of managing the cleaner. They can work together to get the service right. But when it's a managed service like ours, we're the ones that have to manage the service. We have to make sure that the client's expectations are met, that our team are well-trained, that they've got good customer service skills. There's so much to it that... Yeah, training is an expensive thing, but it's not necessarily something people factor in when they're looking at growing. And it eats into your profits. So all of a sudden you're thinking, well, why have I taken these two people on? Now I'm making less money than I was making when I was on my own. And how many conversations have you had like that? People are shocked. I've got a t- I've got a team of five and I don't make a thousand pounds a month. Yeah, I'm cleaning the full time and I should be making a thousand pounds a month. And then you go into it in detail and I'm like, you're losing money you would be better getting rid of all of your team and they're like I can't do that and I'm going then you're going to have to do something about these prices or the way you're working because people really do lose money two years ago pre-covid you were looking at a minimum of a 15 pound charge before taking on a team and I had it yesterday somebody said I want to grow my team I charge 15 pounds an hour and that's the maximum I can charge in this area I was like don't take on the team it is that simple you really need to be charging a minimum of £18 an hour because if you are only making one, maybe £2 an hour off a member of staff, I can promise it isn't worth the hassle. It absolutely, you will at best break even. If you think you're making £1, you won't be making £1. No, it will eat your enthusiasm. It will just, yeah, it will take everything that you've put into the business and just take it from you. Yeah. You won't love it anymore if that's where you're at. So yeah, it's <laughs> we keep saying it, but it's it's the truth. We can't share anything with you other than the truth. And I think what I see is people where they work so hard in the cleaning industry, so hard, and there are small profit margins, but you don't have to accept that it's small profit margins. If the business model does not make sense on paper and you aren't charging £18 an hour at the moment as a minimum, then it's not a business. Go, no. go do something else stay or work so- on your own. Or stay solo, yeah. Absolutely. Stay solo. You'll make loads of money staying solo. Put your prices right up and stay solo. I don't understand why everybody is desperate to grow a team. I think it's kudos. I think it's vanity sometimes. Growing a team does not mean you are good at your job. You're good at your job when your customers love you and you've got a really good business. Growing a team isn't the solution always 
been very negative this on this podcast here. Yeah, I think what I see is a lot of phenomenal businesses, but what we see is a lot of cleaners that accidentally start employing. Yeah. And it's and it's difficult. And I suppose that sort of often you talked about a bit at the beginning that they, they don't want to employ because they're scared of the costs. Well, you've got to start with, you know, your profit margins, haven't you? The solution is not to get self-employed. <laughs> the solution to not making much money is not to use self-employed contractors. Trust me on that, because you'll have to pay them just as much as the employed ones and you'll have less control. It doesn't mean it's not a good thing to do. It doesn't mean you can't use self-employed contractors, but it's not always a solution to a non-profitable business. Yeah, the solution is look at your business, look at your prices, look at your management skills, look at all of that before you decide that actually what's going to make a difference is the contract in which I'm employing people. That's not the solution. It's it's you. It's you, Diane. You are the problem. It's my fault. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So talking about my fault, let's talk about breakages because, you know, that can cost your business. What do you have in place to cover you for breakages? Yes, we all, you know, hopefully you've got insurance, but that's not going to cover for a £10 ornament that's just been knocked over. What do you do about it? These things can really add up. So we've never actually claimed on insurance. I say that, so I want to do something now. We've never actually claimed because I think our excess is something stupid, like £200. Um, and every claim has been under £200, even new shower screens, which has yeah. happened, new walls going through plaster, but we've done all kinds of things. But anyway, um, most of them are £10, £20. They're, most of them, I've got to say, customers aren't really too fast. But they do add up, don't they? And I think sometimes there's a lot of cleaning companies that almost bank on the goodwill of customers not claiming. So they don't always offer. And then some cleaning companies offer too much. And they're like, oh, yes, that might have been me. I'll replace your carpet. No, no, it might not have been you. So uh, breakages, it's, it's a real big topic, isn't it? Should you take responsibility? Should you not? It is. And, and I know, you know, in our in my business terms and conditions, we have that actually any any breakages that are not us having damaged something by cleaning it, if that makes sense, are actually not covered on our insurance below 250 pounds. That's in our terms. However, we often take it on a case by case basis. Yeah. So I have this in mind. I will not cover faulty fixtures and fittings. Definitely so- not. If it is a faulty fixture or fitting, even if, say, we had a shelf above a sink which had a heavy toothbrush pot or something, the shelf broke, didn't damage anything, but the heavy stone toothbrush pot chipped the sink. Well, that's not my fault. I didn't, you know, that's not negligence. And there were about 20 other chips where it dropped before. So I think, is it you or someone else that has in their terms and conditions, they will not replace an item under £50 because that is wear and tear. That is what happens with cleaning sometimes. And so the first £50 needs to be covered by the customer. Um, that puts us off a lot of claims. That's a good policy. That's a good policy to have in place because, the rea- and I say this to clients, potential clients when we're doing the sales appointments is, you know, we are going to move pretty much everything in your house at some point. So things might get broken. So if you've got something that's priceless, can't be replaced, please put it out of out of way, put it in a cupboard. But also, the, you know, you have to accept that you break things if you move them. You know, it might happen. Yeah, we're not going to cover absolutely everything. So terms and conditions and how many people don't have terms and conditions, just put them in, just put them in so that 
when you break something and you will break something, you just know what to do. You know what you're going to cover, what you're not going to cover, what the process is. It takes all the stress out of it. Now, we don't break a lot, but there's about three this month. Um, it, it just happens, doesn't it? It's one of those things. And, you know, the bigger your team, the more breakages you're going to have. Um, it's a bit like the more clients you have, the more potential complaints or niggles you're going to have. It's just it's just numbers again, feedback. isn't it? Feedback, Diane. Feedback, yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's just a case of knowing how you're going to manage it and dealing it with it in advance with the client, really, isn't it? Yeah. And I explain this to every single new person. You will break something. What? So we've Don't just panic. <laughs> yeah, we've just done retraining this week with our staff about breakages. So we accept that they break it. We cover absolutely everything. That's fine. Um, but if they don't notify, that causes us such a loss of trust. And yeah. it's that loss of trust that causes more damage. Nobody really cares about the breakage. They they just accept it's part of the job and we'll sort it out. That's why they pay more to have us. That's fine. Um, but if it's not reported, that gets us cancellations. And that's yeah, completely agree. And, and that's one of the reasons why we would never penalise a staff member for breaking something, because it encourages them to hide it. If they think they're going to have to pay for this item, they're going to hide it. And all of a sudden, the client two weeks later finds a broken ornament behind a curtain or worse, finds it in the bin. And we have a, a thing as well, which you're right, they have to report it to us, but they also have to leave a little note for the client with the item. They don't throw it away because it might be important. Um, yeah. So it's not up to us to judge whether that toothbrush cup um, should be thrown away when it's broken. So, yeah, we leave the item with a little note and they inform the office as well. So everybody knows. And usually nothing else is ever heard, but at least we're prepared. And we drop them an email and they say, oh, don't worry. But the option is there. You know, most yeah. of them it's. They're negligible little things, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And what about recleans then? How do you manage those? Because, you know, staff member goes and does three hours cleaning, you get a complaint and you're like, okay, we'll come back if that's your policy. How do you do that? Do you go back? Do you send the team member back? Do you pay them again? How do, what do you do? So everybody gets paid. Like if you if you go back and reclean, whoever does it has to get paid. This is me. I don't even know how I get paid. But anyway, my policy would be no quibble. We are a high end cleaning company. So there would yep. be no quibbles if they complain about something, regardless of what it is. I wouldn't reclean the entire thing. No, I would. Um, I would send one of my quality managers or myself. And what we would do would be to check the entire thing. Um, and we would re-clean whatever specific thing. So if it was skirting boards, if there was mm, my plug hole hasn't been cleaned, they haven't pulled the plug out, whatever they complained about, or there's a hair on my bathroom mat. I don't know. There's all kinds of weird and wonderful things. Yeah. Um, we'd go sort it out. We would also do a full check of the entire house. And then we'd speak to the staff. So it sometimes is a retraining issue. More often than not, I've got to say, if we get a complaint, it's because they've had three hours to clean the house and really the house needs three and a half, four hours. And so I go back to the client and I say, look, you know, the girls are doing a really good job and it is not down to laziness that they have missed whatever is important to you. But your house cannot be done in the time. Now, what they're having to do is make choices about what to leave. And on this particular occasion, you don't agree with their choice. 
what I would really, really like to do is for you to make the choices. Now, we can do that by either leaving a whole room off or don't do the fronts of kitchen cupboards or something like that. I would really like to empower you to make the choice. So what is it you would like them to leave to ensure that we can get the quality on the bit we've missed? So we'll take the hit, but we don't take that hit very much. It doesn't happen multiple times. Yeah, it's, it's taking the hit and then managing their future expectations at the same time, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes if the staff member is just useless, we'll take the hit, we'll retrain. That only happens a couple of times. And then that staff member is dealt with however they're dealt with. I don't know. All of our staff members are capable of doing excellent cleans. If they don't do an excellent clean, what's the reason behind it? Yeah. Yeah. Is it like you said, because they haven't got enough time or is there something else going on? We're human beings at the end of the day. And, and we uh, we always say this to clients, you know, and we we ask for feedback after every single clean so and we have a a system that does that for us and we say the reason we ask for that is because we know that we're human if we miss something we'd rather know about it so that we can fix it equally obviously it brings in lots and lots of positive feedback which is lovely for the team and we, we reward them accordingly but that constructive feedback is really important because yeah we might miss something it you know it just is what it is but we can't be expected to be a 100 100% every single minute of every single day but I've got to say I don't know if you find this because sometimes because we like you actively encourage feedback they'll feed back and say oh I wasn't happy with the bathroom floor or whatever and what actually happens is we would always offer to go back and fix it and they say no just make sure it's done next time so probably 80% there isn't a fix we'll offer it um but nine or, or we'll say um, something like, okay, I'm really sorry to apologize. Uh, we'll add extra time and clean your windows. Or that's, I would rather do something like that. A reclean is very rarely necessary. Yeah, I agree. And I think the reclean for us is the last resort because it's for us as a business, it's the most expensive option um, is to send somebody out to reclean. But what we could do is we could add 15 minutes to their next clean, for instance, if we felt that it was needed. Or like you said, sometimes the client just wants to know you won't miss it next time. I think a re-clean is less expensive than a discount. So if they were really unhappy, I'd oh, rather yeah. I'd rather do a re-clean because even if we pretty much did the entire clean again, which has never happened, but if we redid the re- whole clean again, then that's almost the same as a 50% discount anyway. But if you re-clean, then that customer knows you're going to go above and beyond. Offering a discount is sort of it's a bit like it's like giving someone a voucher. It's like I don't really know you, I don't really care. Here's a voucher, just yeah. have it. Yeah, you know, no, we would we would never discount the clean. Never. Never. You have a no discount positive. Mm. Yeah. We have, but we would have to be at fault. And we have been in We'd have yeah, it would have to be something that we were like it was nothing to do with us and it was nothing to do with the client's expectations, you know, that it was yeah, something that we literally missed the kitchen or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's an awkward phone call, isn't it? Your cleaners missed the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah I mean to be fair I mean I don't think a cleaner's ever missed a kitchen but they have missed rooms yeah yeah it's just like oh they didn't realize that room was there or something like that we had this we did a 17 hour clean um six bathrooms a beautiful house lovely big six bedroom house six bathrooms and we got a phone call you missed a bathroom I was like how and they were like oh it was the downstairs toilet under the second set of stairs I was like what do you want me to do? Like, Come on here, you know. They're like, "Well, I'm having a party tonight," and I'm like, "It's an under the stairs toilet." You know, you've got five others. <laughs> have, you ever right had, have you ever had one of those bathrooms that it's hidden through the wardrobe? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
or when we have a lot of basements around us do you have basements no so we get a lot of basements and they hide rooms in basements and you think it's a cupboard and it's like why didn't you do my third utility room because I didn't know it was a third utility <laughs> room <laughs> to know or the other one that gets me and actually this isn't discussed ever you know what end of tenancies do you know, do you ever get asked to do, you know where they keep um, gas and electricity boxes? Oh, yeah, the meter cupboard, yeah. Clean inside the meter cupboard. I don't. Do you, <laughs> yeah. do you clean the meter cupboard? We'd, we'd usually vacuum it, but that'd be it, yeah. <laughs> do you have them like ours, where it's like a box quite often next to the door in a terrace house? Yeah. It's, it's Sometimes like, next to the fireplace, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and vacuum No, generally. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> I suppose the, the the only other sort of costs that you know really that they, they they often get factored in, but they can they can hurt you. It, are uniforms, you know, um, we have uniforms and they're expensive. Yeah. So I do you have this? So we have uniforms. Then we have tunics. I, I've sometimes worn it on some of these podcasts, but we have tunics and they're fitted. I'm, I'm gesturing. You can't really see that I'm gesturing. <laughs> and um, they're buttoned and they don't, they have a bit of give in the back and you can move your arms. And if you have the right size on, they're brilliant. They're wonderful. I love tunics. But have you, do you ever have the awkward thing where you go, right, what size are you? And they're a size 10, 12, 14, 16, all the way up to 24, we go up to. Um, and I don't mind what size they are. I cover everything. We keep them all in stock. And they go, I'm a size 10. Right. And I go, this is awkward. Right. Here you go. Here's a size 12. And clearly we can't move our arms in a size 12. And then we push up to 46. And like, I normally ask them to go two sizes above what they think they are. And yesterday it was it was three. Um, and they are true. I think they're true to size. It's super awkward with uniforms, though, isn't it? And can you imagine if you had to order them in and somebody goes, I'm a size 10 and I'm going, here's the size 10 and obviously it's now going to take me another four days to order in a size 16 or we might go through that how do people cope unless you've got a stock of uniforms because I'm not saying yeah. no, we we have a stock of them, thankfully. And and um yeah, we're we're the same. But we always we just explain it to them and say, you know, what dress size do you wear? Okay, well, you'll need to go at least two sizes up because they're not generous. Um and we just say it like that, and they're like, then it's the uniform's fault rather yeah, it's than always the, uniform's fault. The, the size. And also we say, you know, look, you want it to be a little bit roomy. <laughs> Let's say the example of the, you know, they tell you they're a size 10, you give them a size 14, and that still doesn't fit. You can go, oh, but we need it to be a bit roomy. So let's go one size up but don't worry everybody has to wear a bigger size yeah I normally get them to swing their arms like if you can swing your arms that's I, I am like look I don't care about what size it says I just need you to be comfortable and and once they've been issued it, it's fine because they never think they, about they, it they again. get over it then don't they yeah no it's fine and you know obviously you know there can be a cost if you they they don't come back after their first day with their uniforms what do you do then okay so probably similar to you so we keep a deposit for the uniform so um i think it's 25 pounds for a basic uniform if they've got the full uniform it runs into hundreds um but there's a deposit and they will get paid for every moment they do but say they earn i don't know 40 pounds on their first day i don't know how much they earn um then we'll keep 25 pounds they'll get paid 15 and upon receipt of the uniform they will we will release the next 25 or whatever it is we keep which relates exactly to the uniform yeah is that what you do no we don't actually take a deposit we 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 worry about minimum wage when it comes to taking um things 
So we don't take a deposit. The final paycheck, we will deduct a deposit Ah, upon the uniform. So we don't ever keep money off them. Perfect. For example, they left after one day. They paid a week later. And we will say, look, we will keep £25 out of your final pay packet. Until we get that back. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we actually do. We have a because we have obviously quite a stock of uniform, but we have some uniform that's sort of a um, not quite as nice as the rest, so a little bit more secondhand than some of the other stuff. So um, yeah, we'll often just give them one of those for their first day, um, just yeah. in case, um, and then they get the new stuff when they uh, they come back. <laughs> I can't remember your uniform, but do you have buttons on yours? No, ours is now a zip one. Um, it's a tunic, but it's got the zip, the hidden zip inside. Um, works much better than the buttons because the buttons tend to pop off. The <laughs> buttons are, can be really cheap, so it's changing. If you're going to wear tunics, sometimes the zips are like twenty five, twenty seven yeah, pounds, are, yeah, which I love. Whereas the bottom ones you can get for like fourteen, fifteen. But then I find, so I go to like kids' birthday parties where you're stuck at soft play. It's my idea of hell being stuck at soft play. Uh, and they're noisy so I will take a pile of uniforms where they need the buttons oh, sew the buttons <laughs> I sit there and sew. <laughs> yeah wow. I'm not I'm not doing that <laughs> we'll, we'll stick with the zips we'll stick with the zips but you know it's a cost isn't it and you know how many do you give them you know if they work five days a week do they get five uniforms or do they get two. three or two? two yeah we give them two or three yeah two, well, three usually four days two do you think that's stingy no, four days they get two. Yeah, because you only work four days a week, don't you? So yeah, two with two is reasonable. And a lot of them wear tops underneath. Yeah. So, and they and ours, I don't know what I mean, yours are probably very similar to ours. They wash and dry so easily. Um, so yeah, they're they're quite good. And you don't have to iron them. Mm. Cloth like, washing. Oh, what do you do about cloth washing? Do you wash all the cloths for your team? Yes. We have basically it was a commercial laundry downstairs. We don't use it as commercial laundry because we're so busy with our own cloth. So we get through, if you think, 12 teams that are out and they each have we we count our cloths, which is quite embarrassing, but we do that. So 12 teams, let's say they have 90 cloths, that's over a thousand cloths a day to be washed. So I mean that's three washers and say two, no, it's actually only a hundred go in a washer at once. So that's 12 washers a day and we've got three washers and dryers i mean that's four batches going through the day so that's why we don't wash customers anymore and these are big washers they're 11 kilogram yeah. washers. 11. yeah we've got three washers and two dryers but to start with you know i washed the cloths for my team at home um and we got to the point where we were doing i think a couple of loads a day and the tumble drying and we were like we we toyed with the idea of getting a second washing machine but i had a conversation with my husband who's quite analytical like your husband is as well and um he said well unless we're using the washing machine 24 hours a day we don't need two washing machines <laughs> so it's like sort of kind of get it um yeah and we were managing but then it was a relief when we then got the offices and and moved the the washing machine and tumble dryer to there um but sometimes you know that's that's a big commitment isn't it to be washing your team's cloths Uh, you know a lot of a lot of businesses you know their team wash the cloths you know you could pay them a supplement to wash the cloths for you there's a lot less running around after them you know you've got to think about these things that you know depending on where your business is at the decision you make on whether you wash your team's cloths or not, it's got to be related to where your business is at and whether you've got a base, whether you've got, whether you're out cleaning all day, you don't want to then come back and wash everybody's cloths. So it's good for us to be washing our team's cloths, but I'm not sure it's right for every business. 
And the cost. So I actually did the solo cleaner spreadsheet where we calculated this out. So you can go on. It's in our free resources available to everyone. You can go on the DCBM website and you put in all your costs and it work out how much you earn per hour and your overall cost. And when I created that four or five years ago, the cost of a load of washing in a washing machine was 20p. The cost of a tumble drying batch was 60p. What are we on triple that now? because it's electricity isn't it so I mean you're looking at a wash costing you 60p and a dry one pound 80 surely it's not that much or say 150 or something which means it's costing you two pounds a load now the thing with giving that to your staff to do that's all very well but one of my teams of two is going through a load effectively a day then you kind of go well they've then got to do it in the evening so you're going to pay their time and actually if you then start giving them loads of washing to do they then won't want to use as many cloths because they don't want to do the washing even if you pay them so then they use less cloths and we all know if they use less cloths then the whole thing starts to go down the pan yeah so it's definitely something that has to be factored in and say we we always did it for them um and we always have done um and it's it's never been an issue but you know, you do have to really consider it. Have you got the capacity at home to be washing their cloths? Yeah, or disposable. Yeah. I don't. From a green eco point of view, disposable. And actually, most of them are just not very effective, are they? Um, no, people use disposable on the toilets. That can work. Yeah. But then you try that where you've got a crusty... God, we're all cleaners here. You get that crusty bit. We know the there's horrible things in toilets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to tell you, do I? You don't like these conversations. <laughs> yeah, so cloths, cloths is always a controversial point. If this comes up on the groups, lots of different opinions. And um, some people, and I quite like this idea, the customer provides and washes their yeah. own cloths. Now, if electricity is going to get more and more and more expensive, which it's just been capped for businesses today, I heard on the news it's been capped for businesses, which I'm pretty chuffed with. Um, but if it gets more expensive, just like we shift the cost of the electricity for the vacuum, should customers wash their own cloths? Yeah, and that's that the thing. The thing with any of these costs is you've just got to kind of go, okay, how much is that going to cost me? Is that going to work for my business as it grows? Is there another way of doing it? And there's no right or wrong. You've got to just pick the, the right way for your business, haven't you? And your profit margins. <laughs> and if you yeah, if you've got no control and you cannot wash the cleaners' cloths and they are not being reliable, you must have done this at some point. Somebody's left a bag of dirty cloths in their car mm. over the weekend. Rank. And then you're like, oh gosh, like <laughs> yeah, we've all done that. But anyway, should we move off cloths, Diane? Yeah, let's move off cloths. So the only the only other sort of main sort of cost really of employing is, you know, are you going to provide them with all the equipment that they need? You know, that can be expensive. We worked out that a new starter gets four hundred pounds worth of equipment and uniform. And do you issue it to each one individually? Yeah. So my vacuums cost that alone. Yeah. So well, we just I, use Henry's, so you know they're thankfully relatively cheap. But yeah, yeah, Sebos are slightly more expensive. Awesome, mm. but um, yeah, I mean the cost of them by the time we use expensive everything. So we we don't send them home. We keep them all in stock. We do everything from cutting the hairs off the bottom of the vacuum roller thingy yeah. um you know if you're going to invest the kind of money we have invest in equipment you've then got to be prepared you to want to be managing it. it absolutely yeah and we, we just look at it as a sunk cost you know we, we we expect to get it back but um it's yeah it's just part of the cost of for us setting somebody up to to start with us because they all work all our team work solo once they've done their training so yeah so it's an expense 
so it, I'm just trying to think of the expenses. So it, even if you gave them a bag of cloths, so if you gave them 50 cloths, um, what are they now? They're still about 80 odd P a cloth. Aren't yeah, they? I think I think ours, because we buy them in such bulk, I think they work out about 50p, but yeah, 50 or 60 pence. They're not oh, cheap. Word, Diane, they've gone up recently quite mm. a lot. I don't think you're going to get much for under 80p at the moment. So a bag of 50 cloths, that's 40 quid, your mop and bucket, even if you buy what a Vileda cheap one, easily. You've got to have multiple mop heads. Yeah. Got to be not All far. That's up. Which, yeah. Henry. So yeah, even with our cheap hundred pound Hoover, it's still four hundred pound. You try getting a Henry for a hundred pounds now. Have you been buying? Yeah, no, they're like one twenty at the moment. I think, aren't they? I think they're about one forty in Tesco. So yeah. I think you might need to rethink. Four hundred quid isn't going to get you very far. But again, that's what you'd expect them to buy. But then you look at if we compare it to self-employed, and people are going, well, you know, I can pay my employed you know nine pounds fifty and I'm playing myself employed eleven pounds and I'm going you and I both know a full equipment kit costs four hundred. How are the self-employed people funding this four hundred pounds plus insurance? I do think that there are some self-employed cleaners that are dramatically underpaid. Yeah, definitely. And and if they realize then they or maybe they do realise and that's why they're not necessarily as reliable as people hope. Just because they realise that it's not worth the money. Well, I think yeah, maybe they just think actually this is really hard work, and I'm not got I'm not seeing much from it. No, it's a lot of work, and you have a lot of hidden costs. And self-employed cleaners, this isn't just for business owners. This is self-employed cleaners incur all of well, not all of these costs, but yeah. the yeah, equipment. Perhaps costs. not the training, but the breakages, the recleans, the uniform, the equipment, the cloth washing. All of that is, you know, and also, of course, you need a holiday as well. So you should be, you know, making sure that you've got some allowance for you to have the five and a half, 5.6 weeks or whatever it is, 28 days holiday like everybody else. Yeah, 5.6 weeks, Diane. I think you get a bit more than that. 28 days. <laughs> I get more holiday than that, but, you know. <laughs> the point is, it is scarily expensive when you look at all of these things. But none of them are unexpected. And the reality is we talked about a £400 kit, but actually this is where it comes into thinking about it. If you've got a cleaner that works three hours a week, it's not worth it. It is absolutely not worth it. You would have to charge so much to justify the expense of having that person. So, again, we look at this and we have minimum. They have to work a minimum of 16 hours a week to justify even having them on our books. Yeah. Um, and to have them engaged in actually being part of the company. So I sometimes wonder when you look at some of these models, actually, is the reason that the business owners are getting so frustrated that they're not doing enough work to justify if you're making one or two pounds an hour and you've got all these hidden costs coming out of that, it's not covering it. Yeah. And that's why it comes as a surprise sometimes when a business isn't making money. So, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking about the cost of living crisis and making more money in your business. Managing these costs and understanding them is going to make you more money because you're going to make decisions based on real numbers. And like you said, there's no point having somebody on three hours a week with £400 worth of equipment. It's just not worth it. You know, our minimum is 12 hours, but, you know, have a minimum. You need them to be working for you to justify it. Yeah. And the point about all these hidden costs, it's quite interesting when people talk to accountants. And you, again, you must have spoken to a lot of people and the accountants go, you can't get past the back threshold. You can't do this. You can't charge more than £20 an hour. Your business isn't viable. And the advice that people are being given of really a lot of accountants, it's brutal, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I can understand why. 
Yeah, because they're only looking at the numbers, which really that's what business is mostly about. <laughs> yes, it's of course it's about people and, and all those sort of nice things, but it also comes down to the, the the business model that you're running. Is it worth it? And you know, part of getting through this cost of living crisis is really taking a a, a hard look at your business and deciding whether it serves its purpose and what changes you need to make to make sure it does. And let's just end on a positive because. The nice thing, okay, we've not talked about this. The nice thing about a domestic cleaning business is it is scalable. Yes. Now, I'm not saying it's easy because it's not easy, but it is scalable. And whereas other ones like carpet cleaning or maybe some of the others, you may struggle to scale. It is infinitely scalable in the domestic cleaning industry and your profit margins grow exponentially. So if you are making... I don't know what you'd make off eight staff, £20,000 a year, say. Um, going from eight to 16, you don't go from 20 to 40,000. You should be going from 20 to 50,000 and going from 16 to 32. You're not going up to 100,000. You're going up to 150,000 pounds profit. In theory, and you're right there. That, that's one of the best things. Well, there's several best things about domestic cleaning as a, as a business. It's first of all, it's repeat business. It's relatively easy to train people to do the job and it kind of fits around your life as well. Yeah. You know, and also you're not constantly having to keep buying new customers. Repeat business. It's so important. And because you, carpet cleaning is great, but you're you've booked out three weeks in advance. Whereas we sign a customer and they're ours pretty much for the next however many years, as long as we don't mess up. But you've got a customer base that know you, trust you and like you. If you want to offer the additional services, so oh. your carpet cleaning, your ovens, deep hoarding, a bit of biohazard if you want to do a bit of that, um, you've got a customer base. So domestic is the absolute, basically it prepares you for everything and you will make more money because they will automatically come to you. You know, how many people are doing driveways, outside window cleaning? You can take a cut off other people delivering. So many add-ons, yeah. So I think domestic is awesome, but you've got to get the basics right. Yeah. And hopefully we're here to help. So if you're enjoying the podcast. (laughs) Um, So yeah, loads of resources available in the DCBM. We talk about this all the time. I I think a lot of people will find this one a little bit negative. No one likes talking about costs, but hopefully if we have made sure that people set up their business right, then that's kind of our job done, isn't it? Absolutely. See you on the next one.